Attention passengers, to prepare for our descent, please buckle seatbelts and retract your holodecks. Now, a word from our captain. Attention all terrestrial beings, you are now tuned into frequency 76ZX Niner 100, The Strange Ones Podcast. Please be sure to empty your blurg receptacles before entering into intergalactic space travel. Thank you for flying Air Zerdok. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life son in my Odin. breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? Oh, you know who just hit Ultron in that clip? Who? Vision. Vision? Yeah, baby! Strange ones. Yeah, they're talking about comics and they're reading about comics and they're fucking with comics and shit. Strange ones! What up, strange ones on planet Earth and beyond? Welcome to the Strange Ones Podcast. I am your host, Byron Olson. This is my co-host. Sun Moriarty. <laughs> and we're gonna bring you the smoke tonight. Um... We are broadcasting out of Providence, Rhode Island. It is Saturday, December 12th, 2020, and uh, it's lit. Let's get right into it. Fun fact of the day, WAP voted number one song of the year by Pitchfork. What do we think? (laughs) Well... I missed this whole song, so... You missed this whole song. I mean, I've been in my basement for like eight months. <laughs> you, got some, you got some splaining to do, <laughs> sir. I've been in my basement for like, yeah. Okay. Plus, yeah. It's chill. It's chill, though. I mean, we just listened to it. It's, it's, it's groovy. I like this like super explicit female rapping that seems to be like making making some some headway here um you know super yeah super explicit um <laughs> it's explicit no as far as it goes <laughs> which i i have mixed feelings about you know but um mm. you know the the beats are good obviously there's probably a ton of talent behind the production of it i'm assuming ton of talent i'm sure i don't know who produced it gotta be honest but listen wap uh winning song of the year uh as as far as i'm concerned is great uh the song slaps it was a banger it's played out now you know i've heard it one million times so it's it's blowing my mind that you've never heard it but you know i, I drive a lot i listen to hot 106 for all us you know those rhode islanders out there and, uh, you know, 94.5 and uh, WAP, number one song of the year by Pitchfork. Um, I'm down with it, dude. We're, we're talking women's empowerment. We're talking destigmatizing female sexuality. Um, I, think Ooh, it's, nice. I think it's great. Perfect timing for the song uh, amidst COVID. Everybody's horny. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just the perfect storm. Two strong black women at the top of the charts, killing it. Cardi B, Megan the Stallion. I'm a big Megan the Stallion fan. <clears throat> um, I think it's great. You know, with, with with 
everything else that that went down in 2020, aside from COVID, civil unrest, Black Lives Matter movement, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor being murdered by police, uh, to see two strong black women at the top of the charts with the number one song of 2020. I think it's great. We want to lift black voices. And so uh, we got two two strong ones at the top of the charts. I'm down with it. Yeah. I mean, I think generally the the like extreme, extremely explicit move, I like. I'm down with it. At the end of the day, I like it. Um, it's obviously like not children appropriate. It's not child friendly. This is for mature audiences <laughs> only folks. This is not for your children. Um, this is for teens and up. Teens and up. Teens and up. <laughs> um, I guess part of it is that, you know, if like the, the explicit sexual, representation in the lyrics are like indexed in many ways to like a pornographic depiction of women by men. So I'm like divided. Obviously I'm a white male. So all of it is fucking irrelevant in terms of, you know, what I think about it because it doesn't fucking matter. Every, every woman wanted to hear, but, um, just thinking theoretically, aside from me being white, black, green, orange or whatever, it's like, you know, okay, you know, heteronormative male fantasizes about like fucking a super wet pussy, um, like not looking at the face, et cetera, et cetera. Like basically the format of half of the pornography on the internet. So what I'm going to do is like, be like, yeah, that's what I want. I want that the exact male pornographic fantasy. Um, and again, I'm divided on it. I'm not like, oh, this is bullshit. I'm also, though, not like, yeah, that's absolutely a good point to be making. Because I feel like it kind of accepts the description your enslaver, you know, gives you. So I'm like torn. Again, I'm I a white male, so it's not, you know, it's not really. For me, and you're right, exactly. We're two white, straight cis males and so you know our our knowledge on this only goes so far we should consult with women and uh and go from there but my take on it is we should be destigmatizing sex work in general that in- includes the porn industry and uh there's nothing wrong with with cardi b and megan the stallion uh doing their thing and and showing off you know what they got. If I can, if I can, uh, be proud of my dick, then a woman should be able to be proud of her wet ass pussy. And so that's, that's how I feel about it. Truth. Truth. Um, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's, I said my piece, like I said, just for the record, I'm not against it. I thought it's a banging track. Um, I just say like, as a reflection, it's kind of (laughs) like, Here's like the idea. It's like, you know, uh, I don't, I, how do you challenge like a set of like oppressive expectations, right? Like the whole, the whole premise of female subordination is like predicated on treating them as sex objects, right? So do you, if you're advocating for more equality, say, 
I don't want to be treated like a sex object. I am X, Y, Z, not a sex object. Or do you say, yo, you, you're only thinking of a sex object in one direction. Like you dominating right. me, like I'm going to still mm -hmm. be a sex object, but I'm going to dominate you and you're going to be my sex object. And again, I'm torn, but I think like they're playing with those dynamics and that's really cool. I mean, like that's, that's a really cool difference to be tracking in their lyrics. So like I said, I mean, we all have that. sexuality is a part of all of us. Um, and kind of, you know, uh, deciding or putting limits on somebody's sexual preferences is not something that, that I'm ever going to do. And so, um, you know, I say all the power to them and I hope it, I hope it changes things in general in terms of the, uh, the, the power, um, balance between men and women and non-binary people. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing when it's all said and done. You're probably looking at it from a different lens as a father of a young daughter and me as a man who is not uh, a father <laughs> whatsoever. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the song slap and it deserved to be the number one song of the year. It made a million trillion bazillion dollars, I'm sure. There's Whoa. been everybody's been doing the WAP dance on TikTok since it came out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Is that like flossing? You should, you should look it up. No, no, it's a lot more complicated than flossing. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, look up the WAP dance if you if you don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyways, I, I think it's I think it's great. Straight up. Um, hopefully, this hopefully this kind of makes you know, just starts to make a difference, um, in, in some form or fashion in, in, you know, we're talking about women's, uh, women's rights to be themselves. Yeah. And yeah. Super important to express themselves. Um, it's amazing. And similarly to here. LGBTQ, uh, folks as well. I hope that it's all related and everybody is just lifted up. Yeah. Truth. Truth. So that was what? Fact of the week? That was fact of the day? Yes. Fact of the... Fun fact of the week. Fun fact. WAP. Voted number one song of the year by Pitchfork. Secondary fun fact. Uh, and this will be relevant in my review. Uh, but P. Craig Russell was the first openly gay comic creator in mainstream comics. Whoa. Whoa. So Philip Craig Russell is um, a huge part of the project uh, that I'm going to talk about. And that is Norse mythology, Neil Gaiman's North, Norse mythology. Uh, Dark Horse is publishing a comic book version of the book that recently came out. Um, so... We will get into that. Um, yeah, so real quick, though, before we move on from the, the WAP segment, I want to give a little, uh, a little PSA for my men out there. I feel like um, 
you know, what we're talking about didn't quite, didn't quite cover it. Uh, so I, I just want to make this, you know, this clear for, for any, any man out there who's, who's looking to, um, be better, right? Cause that's what we all want. We want to just be better people. Kaizen. Um, Kaizen. Kaizen. What, what is that? Japanese Kaizen? for be better. Okay. Love it. Kaizen, baby. All right. Men, respect other people. Right? Simple concept. Truth. Respect other people, especially women. Especially women, okay? Respect other people, especially women. Talk to women, listen to women, and learn from women. Like, you can still be tough and have respect for women. It's actually possible. You can still be cool and have respect for women. You can get laid and have respect for women. <laughs> right? You, it's possible. It's very, it's, it's, probably, it's probably likely you get laid if you respect <laughs> someone. Right? Learn how to not be selfish sexist and misogynistic learn how to do that learn how to have empathy right uh learn what women need physically emotionally and sexually whoop whoop right that's gotta be a whoop whoop <laughs> learn to communicate right if you ask a woman what she wants she's probably gonna tell you and believe me, it makes life better for everybody. When you know what she wants, she knows what you want, and you guys can, can give each other what you want and what you need. Doesn't that sound great? Fancy. Shout out to women. Shout out to all the queens, the goddesses. Woo, woo. Shout out to women. Okay. Woo, woo. Nice, dude. All right, local artist shout out of the week. My man, Joseph, Jojo, Joe Gendron. Uh, Joe's my guy from way, way back. He's uh, a local and uh, he is a madman. He's an abstract uh, expressionist painter. His Instagram is at Bruvhart, B-R-U-V-H-E-A-R-T. Uh, Joe is a great dude. Um, like I said, he does abstract paintings, uh, mostly medium size, mostly acrylic color washes, um, atmosphere kind of broken up by line, um, splashes kind of creating organic forms that kind of travel through these colorful nebulas. Um, beautiful work. The dude blows my mind every time I see a painting. Uh, he's a great human being. Check him out. Follow him. Buy some work. Um, he's great. He is part of a collective known as Peace Club. You can check out Peace Club at Peace Club RI on Instagram. Uh, these dudes are great. Um, they have a background in street art, and you're going to see that and feel that right away. They sell merch. They're really cool. So Joe is part of this collective. Check him out. He's the man. Um, 
shout out to to everybody else in Peace Club. My guy Max, David, Toby, all the other guys I don't know very well, but um, shout out to Peace Club and Joe Gendron, Artist of the Week, baby. Whoa, whoa. <sighs> Overrated, underrated. A new segment just for y'all. We're going right into it. Nice, nice. Yeah, let me I'm going to throw this at you, Eric. You tell me what you think, and then we'll go from there. What do you say? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Overrated, underrated. Number one, hot wieners. Overrated. What? Yeah. He said, hold up. I'm going for it. Hold up. You know you live in you live in Rhode Island now, right? I do. Yeah. You know you know this is Providence, Rhode Island that we're in, that you're residing in. You're saying hot wieners. Can I just Rhode say Island that? staple? Coney Island Con- shit is overrated? Coney you Island. Explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean Rhode Island clearly loves their hot wieners, given that, you know. Their most famous and venerable hot wiener place is called New York System. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look, I love hot dogs. That's I was just trying blows. to be controversial. I was just writing a rap about like getting, like fucking something with my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. There All right. Go. So hot wieners. Uh, Eric says overrated. I'm also going to go overrated. Are you serious? Uh, Shocker. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) but I'm also going overrated just because they give me crazy indigestion, bro. Like I just can't deal with it. Like I used to eat them. I would get three, three, no onion. I was not an onion fan as a kid. I'd always get no onion. People like them all the way. I like them with no onion. You know, you do your thing. I'll do my thing, but I would get three, no onion, devour them feel fine go play a game of football right <laughs> afterward like it's like it was nothing now i fucking i eat one of them and i'm like i'm dead i mean tums for the rest of the night i'm wrecked dude so hot <laughs> wieners overrated. overrated number two tom brady what do you think um i would say at this point i feel like he's underrated Definitively. Um, Underrated. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, Okay. My thing is. Explain. Well, Belichick sent him packing. The Patriots organization cowed to Belichick's influence, sent him packing. I mean, I have experienced that the majority of New England fans are disappointed in that outcome. So I would say amongst them, he's probably neither over nor under, but fairly rated. But I would say as a more macro level, as a non-New Englander, non-Patriots fan, I'm like, oh, definitively he's underrated because his organization was like, dude, fuck you. We're not going to pay you what you're actually worth, even though we've underpaid you for like a decade and you've given us like a gazillion Super Bowls just so you can like ride out your career like in glory instead go go pound sand 
And, you know, I'm glad the okay. Patriots are fucking sucking. Because um, oh, wow. it's a lesson. It's a lesson that Belichick wasn't the magic. It was either Tom or Synergy of Tom plus Belichick. And Belichick, you know, basically mistook the essence of his success for himself. And so sent Brady packing. And now look, they might not even make the fucking playoffs, bro. Mm, And look at look at where fucking the Buccaneers are at. Gronk knew what was up. Gronk was like, I'm coming out of standings. The Bucks aren't doing all that great either. They're they're middling at best. They're more right than five hundred. They're more than five hundred. The Pats are just under five hundred. Listen, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Pats guy either. Everybody who knows me knows I grew up a Washington football fan, and thank God they changed their name. And thank God I stopped caring about football because it was a painful existence <laughs> being a Washington football team fan. Okay. Um. Yo, Tom Brady is not underrated he's known (laughs) as the living goat he is the living and continuing to play greatest of all time it's almost nobody even questions it anymore i mean who do do you even compare to him maybe joe montana or like you know i don't even fucking know like it's not even a question anymore he's won too many super bowls he's 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 perfectly rated okay (laughs) i didn't even tell you there's a third option perfectly rated if he was rated in madden at 90 overall, that's perfect. That's that's what he should be. Perfectly rated. All right. Moving on. Number three. COVID-19. <laughs> um, I'll say, in my opinion, it's clearly underrated. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean. Proceed. It just feels to me like, you know, people aren't taking it seriously. I mean, look at, you know, Gina was doing good. Gina was doing good. And what's up with this, this like half, half-hearted pause? It's like, man, the infections are through the roof. We're like the worst in the country. But people don't take it seriously. They're underrating it. So it's underrated. I would have to agree. COVID-19 is underrated, uh, especially around here, I guess, because Rhode Island has the most cases per capita, right? Um, So, I mean, granted, we're a tiny state with a whole bunch of people, so it's kind of easy to pass along germs, I think, than if you're (laughs) in the fucking boonies where you don't even see each other and you got your whole fucking ranch, but we're right on top of each other and... uh, yeah, anyways, but yeah, people need to do better. COVID-19 is underrated. It's no joke. People are dying, so wear a fucking mask. It's it's really not hard. Uh, and do your part. Be safe. Whoa, whoa. Number four, 2020. 2020. Uh, currently underrated. So I'm going. Okay. And... You know, I've been saying this to folks, uh, you know, my wife and friends and shit. Like, this is the first time in my life I've lived through something that's truly historic. Like, this whole, this malaise. It's not pleasurable. It's just this, the the affectation of this experience is, is historic. And so, like, I've 
I'm, I'm learning and I'm hoping that, you know, going through something historic, is like largely miserable because it's so out of step with your status quo. And so you're just like slightly askew, just uncomfortable perpetually. But in hindsight, like in 2021, 2022 and onwards, the memories of the 2020 are going to like figure huge. People are going to have, I have faith that people will have grown a lot. And so like right now, everyone's like, oh, I just want this to be over. You know, it's underrated. It'll be hugely important. It'll, it will have changed everyone's perspective. I'm with you. 2020 is underrated. It's been the weirdest year of most people's lives. Um, and I'd have to agree. It's been the weirdest year of my life, but, um, it's also been one of the most interesting and, uh, different and kind of inspiring and depressing and just all these weird emotions, uh, thrown at you. And you just kind of like, we're, we're all, we all have to kind of remember that, like, we're, we're surviving. You can't just coast anymore. 2020 th- told us we can't coast. You got to, you got to be on your toes. True. You got to be ready. You got to stay, uh, alert. stay ready, stay alert and stay strange. You know, the motto. Whoop, um, whoop. Okay. Number five, my man, Thor, Thunder God. What do you think? Underrated. Fuck yeah. Because you can't, you can't give Thor enough props, bottom line. That's just it. That's all there is to it. Thor, shout out to uh, the thunder god, Odin's son, the fucking, the man. You know, people who know me know I have a, a Scandinavian background and heritage, and my grandpa loves vikings and norse mythology and shit so that's been embedded in me and uh fuck all the racists but um norse mythology is is cool and we're going to talk more about it in the comic section um and i love thor and listen chris hemsworth the dude's the man plays thor really well in the movies thor in the comics he's always been the guy who gets shit done you know he he's a beast Absolutely. He'll, he'll fucking, he's fearless. He puts his body on the line. How can you not love it? So Thor, he's underrated because he needs to be at the top of your Avengers list every single time. Thor. I'll, I'll bracket my, uh, I'll get into some Thor, but I'll, I'll wait to the review section. Okay. All right. So that's that. Overrated, underrated. Let's move on. Ad break, number one. Nice. (laughs) Are you ever thirsty? (laughs) Do you need a cold beverage that tastes like dark chocolate milk? Go to your local store and grab yourself a Guinness. If you're old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Bro. Dying over here. Yo, are you alright? Uh, I could use some Zweed. Man, huh? I don't got no Zweed, bro. I could really use some Zweed, son. 
There's a guy at the corner. Please, I'll die without sweet. Alright, 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 bro. I'll see what I can do. Uh, hey, hey, mister. Uh, you got any sweet? What? Motherfucker, what the fuck? Shut the fuck up, bro. Keep it quiet, my dude. Yes, I got sweet. How much you need? Uh, I don't know. This, this, this guy, he's dying over there, and like he says he needs weed. What? Motherfucker. I, I don't. What? But just take some sweet. I don't. I just get the fuck out of here. Here you go, mister. I, I got you. I got you a little bit of sweet. Oh. Thanks, kid. Let me see that. Uh, let me sit up here. There we go. Uh, uh, I ain't got much time left, kid. Here, put it in my lips. Uh, okay. There you go. Now light it. With that... Light refractor. Um, okay. This is the new, the old, and the fugly. The new. Norse Mythology, number one, by Neil Gaiman and P. Craig Russell, published by Dark Horse Comics 2020, artwork by Philip Craig Russell, Mike Mignola, and Jerry Ordway, colors by Laverne Kinzierski and Dave Stewart, letters by Galen Showman, variant cover, which is the cover that I got, by David Mack. Uh, I'm a huge, like I just said, I'm a huge fan of Norse mythology. Um, so this book really interests me. And uh, it has, it, well, first of all, Neil Gaiman, who is a famous British uh, graphic novel writer and writer in general. He, he did Sandman, uh, which I've never read. Have you read Sandman? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty embarrassed that I've never read it, so eventually I'll get around to reading it. He did American Gods, right? Did you read any of that? Nope. That got turned into a show. Um, so he's done some stuff. And so uh, more recently, he wrote a book called Norse Mythology. And it has mixed reviews. And I know some people who are big into, um, you know, Norse mythology and Scandinavian stuff. I know some uh, some people who do archaeology in Iceland, and um, you know, I know my grandpa. He's a big he's a big Norse mythology guy. And anyways, some people it, it has mixed reviews in terms of you know uh, does it represent Norse mythology properly? It, it wasn't supposed to. I think it's supposed to kind of be like a, a different take on it. But he, he tells the same stories that you're gonna find in. Uh, Snorri Sturgelson. I, I think I'm saying that right. Sturgelson. Um, 
Snorri Sturgeson. I'm blank. He wrote the Prose Edda, which is where it's like the you know because the Vikings back in the day they were they were they did uh, they passed down their their history orally, you know, through nice. storytelling around nice. campfires and shit, bro. Like there was no written stuff. Nobody was, had books. There's no time to read. You're talking. <laughs> we're out. We're out fucking raiding. You know, raiding and building ships and. They didn't just raid. That is also a misconception of the Vikings. <laughs> they were a ferocious people, but they didn't just raid and pillage and rape everybody. They uh, they actually had a civilized, you know, society. Um, but uh, what was I saying? So Norse mythology, the book by Neil Gaiman is now being adapted into a comic. And this is issue one of that comic. So... I watched a little video where Philip Craig Russell was kind of explaining his process. It seems to me that he's the guy who put this all together in the, in the front cover. It says script and layout by P Craig Russell. So in the video, he's explaining how he took the book, you know, that Neil Gaiman wrote, got as many pages as he could fit onto an 11 by 17, literally took the pages out of the book, Xerox that. And so around like four pages of the book, he could draw in notes and whatnot. I thought that was really cool. Um, he's super cool. And uh, his work, Philip Craig Russell, is phenomenal. So the first story in the book is uh, he does the artwork, uh, Philip Craig Russell. He has this old fantasy style. Um, you know, and for anybody who doesn't know, I'm an illustrator. I'm an artist and I love comics. And so when I read comics, it's through an illustrator's lens. I feel like me and Eric have a great dynamic because he kind of reads things through more of a writer's lens. And so we have this nice juxtaposition there. But anyways, Philip Craig Russell, um, he, he, uh, his artwork is great. It's kind of reminiscent of old uh, fantasy artwork, um, like Lord of the Rings stuff, like Frank Fazetta stuff. Um, and he's, he's a master pretty much. Um, so the first story is by him and it's Yggdrasil in the nine worlds, the Yggdrasil oh, tree. Yggdrasil, are you kidding <laughs> yeah. me? The, the Yggdrasil and the nine worlds, it explains the, the setting, you know, uh, it, it breaks down Norse mythology and tells you about the nine realms, the Yggdrasil, which is the tree of life. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, Amazing. it's the introduction to Norse mythology. And so they got to do that. I think for people who don't know, it's a, for people who do, it's kind of like, you know, You've seen it before, and it's great to see it through, you know, uh, Russell's work. But anyways, the second story is uh, Mimir's Head and Odin's Eye. Nice. And that is by the legend himself, uh, Mike Mignola. So I think Russell kind of gave everybody the layouts for what he imagined it to be after he sketched it all out from Neil Gaiman's writing and uh, sent that to everybody. And Mignola then translates uh, Russell's sketches into his own version of the of the short story that's i guess going to be a continuing story and it's going to come out in later issues for as far as i know interesting um uh the last story is the treasures of gods and that has the art of jerry ordaway and that one's really cool too which has thor and loki in it and it's whimsical and funny nice. but we're going to focus on um mignola's one so mimir's head and odin's eye it's 
it's gorgeous. You know, it's it's Mike Mignola himself. For anybody who doesn't know, Mike Mignola created Hellboy, uh, BPRD, and the Mignola verse. Um, so it's a whole universe uh, held within Dark Horse Comics. And you know, if you've ever seen the movie, like Hellboy's lit. I mean, Hellboy is so dope. Totally. And I love Abe Sapien and yeah. the rest of the BPRD. And so super cool. <clears throat> so we have Mignola. His first of all, his panel layouts. Um, well, let's let me tell you about the story first, right? Mamir is uh in uh Joenheim, which is the the place where the giants live, and Mamir is a giant, and he drinks from uh the well every morning that feeds the Yggdrasil, right? So it's this special well. And it's got all sorts of prop, uh, all sorts of uh, powers, and it's the well of wisdom. Okay, so Odin, a young Odin, who, if you don't know, Odin is the god of all gods in Norse mythology, the king. He's seeking wisdom, and he travels to Jotunheim to drink from the well. And Mimir's like, "No, nah, bro, not happening." And Odin's <laughs> like, "I'm your nephew, dude. Let me get a drink from the well of wisdom. I need to know." The truth, you know, yeah. I need to know the answer to life. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, he's like, you can give me your eye and I'll give you the wisdom. Shit. And Odin, he's like, all right, give me the knife. Like a G, give me the knife. Gives his eye, puts it in the well, drinks from the horn. And, uh. Wisdom is flooded into him. He he becomes wow. He's all right. So here's a little excerpt. Now he was known as Blinder, as Hoar, the one-eyed, and as the flaming-eyed one. Odin's eye remains in Mimir's well, seeing nothing, seeing everything. Oh, <laughs> so so then there was this war between the Asir and the Vanir, and. Uh, Odin sent Mimir to advise the king of the Aesir's. And, you know, they, he did a good job when Mimir was advising him. And then when he wasn't, he made bad decisions and did a bad job. And the Vanir <laughs> didn't like it. And instead of killing the king, they chopped off Mimir's head and sent it back to Odin, <laughs> who's now Odin the Wise. And Odin preserves this head, right? Nice. Because he knows that there's wisdom in it. <laughs> and soon enough, Mimir comes back and he speaks to Odin. And what he says is good, as it was always good. <laughs> and then Odin returns to the well and places Mimir's head in the well. Okay? Yeah. And he gives the horn to Hemdal, watchman of the gods. Ooh, Hemdal. And, and, and Heim, I think it's Heimdall. Heimdall will blow the... the Jallerhorn, Jallerhorn, only once at the end of all things at Ragnarok. Ooh. Okay. Ragnarok <laughs> is Ragnarok. the end of the world, is Armageddon. Amazing. So that's the story. And Mignola's work is is brilliant. Uh, his artwork, the way he lays out his pages is masterful. Uh, his, his choices in terms of where he places panels, what's overlapping and what's not. He has this chunky... Um, Angular style, uh, full of deep, dark blacks and uh, a non-varying line, right? There's not line weight, um, but he does it with these 
chunky, chunky blacks that pass through uh, characters and panels and and just lead your eye through everything beautifully. Huh. So if you've never seen Mike Mignola's work, please go check him out. He's like nobody else out there. There's been a lot of people who come after him uh, who try, you know, who are inspired by him. But Mike Mignola is is one of a kind. And uh, Norse Mythology issue one is worth grabbing. Um, I think it's like, for me, it's mostly about the artwork. And, you know, I have a love for Norse mythology, like I've said a million times. But, like, the artwork in this book is is bar none. And, uh, yeah, it's it's worth checking out, I'd say. Well, it sounds like a perfect collection, right? Like, if you're, you know, if you're buying comics, you're thinking about, like, keeping them forever. And nothing's better for a collection than, like, a mythology, you know, a, th- a mythology reference. And if Magnolia is just like basically drawing one and Nick Gaiman's writing it, it's like, what better it's way to cool. put like a bunch of Norse mythology on your shelf, right? Yeah, it's worth grabbing. I mean, honestly, I feel like in the single issue format, it's a little bit weird because you have three stories in it and the last one gets cut off and is like a cliffhanger and the other ones seem to kind of finish up. So it's, I, I think it's a little odd to kind of present it in that way. I think it should have come out in trades. Mm. Um, with like longer trade paperbacks or just one giant graphic novel that is the adaptation of the book or maybe two big graphic novels. Like I think that would have been a better format for this. Um, but whatever. I like I love single issue stuff. I grab issue one and I, I dig it. Um, oh, so, that's yeah. Legit. That's legit. That's All legit. Right, so what's the old? Let's move on to the old. The old. So. For the old, again, I'm not going super old here. Um, though I will say, last week I, I talked modest shit on Hickman. Um, I love Jonathan Hickman. But I definitely thought Danny Cates writing, Donnie Cates writing this whole King and Black event is just a different style of writing. That's the art breathe, um, as you were saying last week. Um, whereas Hickman, Brian Michael Bendis, all these like good writers, you could pull the art. I mean, the art is cool that it's not like I'm saying their art's bad, but like you could pull the art and just have a good dialogue, a good play there. Um, whereas Donny Cates is like very much like these are captions on artwork is how he's like conceiving of the dialogue. Um, so it has a lot of, you know, cool effects as a reader because of that uh, consideration that he gives to the artwork. Um, so I'm following up on the Venom piece with Absolute Carnage, uh, which came out between the kind of initial Donny Cates run of Venom, where he kind of launches uh, this whole storyline where Null is the God of the void before there was the universe. There was nothing that nothing had a God. His name is Noel. Um, once the universe came into existence, presumably, you know, uh, once the big bang got underway or something like that, it's like really mm-hmm. early. He's an old God. Uh, mm-hmm. he's like, fuck this. Like these people are taking up the void, like stealing my land. So I'm going to go to war against the other, the, the light basically. So he creates the uh, symbiote, 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 
Symbiote, Symbiote suits. We need like somebody a... from Marvel to give us a call. Yeah, send exactly. us a message. Send us on a my message. Instagram, <laughs> please. Um, so he makes the symbiote initially as a sword and then like marauds through oh. the early, po- immediately after Big Bang Universe, like just slaying all sorts of super celestial beings. Um, just slaying them. But all, over time, of course, like the sword kind of, you know, flex come off of it and whatnot and the symbiote material become the symbiote suits that then are just cast you know off into outer space um what we learned from the venom is that basically over time um rather than um serving the purposes of null to extinguish all the light the symbiotes actually became attached to existing and so turned on null and trapped him because they no longer wanted to serve his purpose in destroying the light. So they trapped themselves in Clintar, uh, which is they, they create this sphere of their bodies that traps Null and puts them into like a long sleep. Um, wow. And so that all is fleshed out in the Venom comic that he did. And so Absolute Carnage picks it up from there and is basically Carnage who is essentially a symbiote suit that's also landed on Earth, but whose initial host isn't, you know, more or less a relatively stable and good good intending person like Eddie Brock or Flash Thompson or whoever all the people Venom have been, mm-hmm. um, but is instead a serial killer. Um, so a symbiote suit lands on a serial killer and goes nuts. And that's what carnage is. So absolute carnage is carnage. Of course, wants to kill everything. Um, so the best way to do that is to waken null and basically break up Clintar and bring, bring null back in all his glory, um, to just start doling out the destruction of the universe. So, wow. Um, it's like a five issue run. It's called absolute carnage. Same guys who did venom, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman do absolute carnage. It's amazing. Um, what I wanted to focus on without, without spoiling it too much is that Oh, spoiler alert. This is our first spoiler alert. Well, I'm, I'm not going to actually spoil it, but I am going to give a spoiler alert anyway. So if you're planning on reading, absolute carnage i guess shut this off at least or fast forward five minutes or something like that but um five minutes 30 seconds 30 seconds yeah um so basically what 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 carnage realizes he needs to do in order to reawaken null is like kill all the people that have ever been um bonded with any of the symbiote suits because according to kate's when you bond with a symbiote suit, it like leaves a codex in your spine. That is like a fragment of Null's sentience. And so if you're another symbiote like Carnage or anyone else, and you kill someone who's worn the symbiote suit, you gain their codex and it like further enhances the sentience of your symbiote suit. And over time, the reason Null is pacified in the heart of Clintar is that his sentience has been fragmented into all these different symbiote suits that have never, like, gone to the trouble of collecting all the different codices 
and like building out their sentience back to the like scale of null. And so Carnage is like, all right, I got to like to wake null. I got to kill all the people that have ever worn the symbiote suit. So over the five issues and savage. Yeah. Over the five issues, like Kate says this in interviews, like he was like, it was really fun because I just got to get Stegman to draw like basically every character who's ever worn the symbiote suit, like carnage, just like going after them, uh, like in a (laughs) battle scene. So it was like, Mm totally fun for them to do. And they had a blast doing it. Cause like, you know, tons of people in the Marvel universe have worn either the venom suit, mostly the venom suit. Um, so it's carnage just facing off against all these guys and venom. Meanwhile, like trying to stop him, trying to get hip to this scheme. And yeah. then there's this great moment and here's where the true spoiler alert is. I'm not going to say what happens, but basically Kate's, writes into the end like this incredible dilemma like game theoretic dilemma where if he loses he wins and if he wins he wins like carnage like is able to orchestrate the events in such a manner as like it's it's a win-win for him and and kate's is explicit about that so like there's all this great dialogue where like carnage and venom are like facing off and he elaborates this point where like carnage had this foresight to bring, to waken the gods. Um, and that's it. I mean that like the close of absolute carnage really is the, is the tee up to King and black, the current big Marvel event ongoing, which, you know, uh, and if you don't know what a Marvel event is, it's like when, you know, multiple titles across, marvel's uh universe all tie into the same storyline right yeah exactly exactly they tend to do one every couple years to just bring all the titles into concert with each other but i just figured you know for me it's a it's really good work in the canon you know the symbiote suits are fairly minor but are really sweet ideas so to give them such an important backstory is really cool and that they're bringing in like folding into it this whole idea of you know uh, a kind of like virus like interstellar virus that's just been proliferating through the universe trying to extinguish all life is super relevant to like we're living it we're (laughs) We're living it it. we're fucking living it bro so it's like very relevant marvel yeah yeah i mean you gotta give them props i mean obviously absolute carnage all this stuff was set in motion years ago but sometimes the timing just works right and like it's working for sure in these yeah this one worked out for marvel (laughs) yeah it didn't work out for the comic book industry as a whole you know i think in comic book stores so but, you know, this uh, that is cool and that's interesting. And it's really weird. You know, sometimes I actually think about what life is these days and like I'm putting my mask on, headed outside and I'm like, damn, like this is like some weird kind of end times type Armageddon shit. True. Like we're just like on the brink of it. It's like if if things didn't go right or things don't go right, I don't want to bum anybody out or scare anybody. But like, it's just like sometimes I think about that and like, damn, like, uh, 
well, you know, to be clear, like things, things went really bad and are still really bad for a lot of people, millions and millions of exactly. people in just our country. Say nothing right. of other less, um, you know, less wealthy contexts, but yeah, needless to say, absolute carnage is fucking dope. Cause you get to see all these sick splash pages of like, you know, all these dudes wearing, um, you know, the venom suit essentially and like going up against carnage. But one thing's really interesting is that one of the backstories is that essentially Eddie Brock venom, which is the venom that Kate writes with has a kid according to Kate's. And so Mm -hmm. like, you know, he, but he never tells the kid that he's his dad. So he thinks it's just like his older brother. Um, and like, that's kind of Carnage's like, you know, point of leverage against Venom in this like five issue, like standoff or whatever. Um, but it turns out that basically like the symbiote, cause Ven- what, what's interesting about Kate's is like the symbiote he writes as this more or less like autonomous but extremely like gracious partner of eddie brock's where he's like Hmm. happy to lend him his power and like the symbiote and him are like in constant dialogue throughout the comics Hmm. um and what becomes clear is that like eddie brock's offspring have symbiote powers Hmm. but they don't have to wear the suit so it's almost like the symbiote like mutated brock's dna permanently so that when wow. he procreates some of the powers of the symbiote, he's able to endow like subsequent generations with those powers without them having to be bonded to the suit, which is Damn. like an incredible the virus keeps moving. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just mutates and keeps moving. Exactly. Scary. <laughs> it's a scary shit, folks. So that's the old. That's the old. That's dope, dude. I love how it tied into last week, too. Uh, so we're moving on to the Fugly of the Week. And it is Bad Plumbing, man. <laughs> Fuck that shit. And specifically, low water pressure, <laughs> cold fucking showers, dude. It sucks in the middle of the winter. When uh, all of a sudden your shower <clears throat> just stops working and it's already cold as fuck and your shower just like shits the bed and all of a sudden it's spitting out basically cold water and <laughs> it's brutal. Like that's this is not the time for that. It's too cold around here. Uh, shit gets cold in Rhode Island in the winter and like we need we need landlords out there to take a look at your plumbing situation please for us tenants <laughs> please like we 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 can't like we just can't anymore what do you think about that well two things one is that <clears throat> thankfully i don't suffer from low water pressure now but i have um and i totally agree uh i i lived in a house for a while that it was like a trickle bro it was like you got in the in the shower and it, you were like under just like a little trickle of water. So you'd like oh. soap up, you know, you'd lather up. And I have like a lot of 
experience just like washing my body more or less dry where you're just using the water to like kind of build the lather and then rinse it off. But there's no like basking in the stream. There's no like long shower, like the whole idea of a pleasurable shower. <laughs> you love that. I love that. Exactly. I want that. Wow. Can I have that? I pay, I pay good money for this place. Can I have hot water? File and, a complaint. And let me be honest. It's not here. My shower's great. <laughs> I lucked out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My, my, at my girl's place is a little different. Uh, she's got to file a complaint. So, Angie's list. You're right. You're absolutely right. We gotta we gotta talk to uh, we gotta talk to the landlord. Simple as that. <laughs> See if we can work something out. I mean, it's just it's a problem. Nobody nobody uh, nobody wants that. Could she so, solve it with a shower head? Is it one of those kinds of issues? Or she's hoping so. Uh, but we uh, I got a bad feeling, you know, and yeah. so we'll, we'll see. I hope that a shower head might make a little bit of a difference. Yeah. But anyways, fugly of the week, bad plumbing. Come on, landlords, step it up. Step Do it, it up. for us. <laughs> that is the fugly. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so that's it. The new, the old, the fugly, our main segment. It's in the books. And um, we're going to wrap it up. So I want to make sure to um, double down on my local artist shout out of the week, Joe Gendron. Go check him out at Bravheart. Check out his collective and all the cool people, part of Peace Club, at Peace Club RI. Um, shout out to Cardi B and Megan The Stallion for, for WAP. <laughs> shout out to P. Craig Russell for being the first openly gay comic book creator in mainstream comics. And, uh, and yeah, um, uh, check us out. You can follow me on Instagram at Byron Olson Art. At Strange One Comics, um, uh, we really want to get some some uh, engagement from our community. So if you like the pod, if you consider yourself a strange one, if you're down with what we're doing, um, send me a message. If you got questions, if you got feedback, whatever, uh, let us know or put up a comment. Um, Make sure you follow it on Spotify, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. Um, there are other great podcasts out there. Let me shout them out real quick. Duncan Trussell Podcast. Um, if you don't know who that is, they turned his show into a Netflix show called Midnight Gospel, which is fucking nuts. And my buddy Greg did backgrounds on it and a bunch of other people uh, in the New York illustrator scene worked on it. Uh, Titmouse Animation did it and... They take Duncan Trussell's, um, they take Dun Duncan Trussell's podcast and they turn it into this crazy psychedelic, fucking crazy ass animation. You need to watch it. Watch it very high, and uh, it's a good time. Um, Marvel now, we we listened to it and we found out that they most recently had Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman on there talking about the Venom run that Eric's been covering for the first two Ooh. issues of this pod. We scooped um, them. And we call them issues because this is a comic podcast and it's just fun if you didn't quite get that. But we scooped um, them. We scooped them. Granted, Kate's obviously wrote the comic. So, I mean, you yeah, can't really scoop him, he, but uh, we scooped the Marvel. Scoop him. Marvel, like worrying about doing it. Hell yeah, baby. Um, and I think that's it. Scoop. So, 
So let's sign off here. I am your host, Byron Olson. This is my co-host, DJ Slit Throw Cow. This was the Strange Ones podcast. Uh, we hope that everybody stays safe, stays healthy, and uh, we'll be back at it. Um, so uh, we always finish out with the little motto. You know how we do it. And uh, we'll see you next time. So, strange ones, stay loose, stay alert, and stay, and stay strange. strange. We'll Catch y'all next time.